0: Welcome, everyone, once again to the Selling Greenville podcast. I am your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, South Carolina. And we are doing a part two episode of the coronavirus because uh, honestly, a lot has changed since the last podcast that we recorded um, basically a week ago about this virus. And uh, there's a lot to cover. So we need to do a part two about this crazy COVID-19, coronavirus, woo uh, flu, which some people are saying that's a racist thing to say, so I won't say that. Uh, but whatever you wanna call it, uh, we'll just call it uh, the coronavirus uh, for the purposes of this podcast. There's a lot that this thing is doing and causing to our economy right now. And uh, we need to talk about it a little bit more in depth because uh, it is having a ripple effect on real estate throughout the country, but here in Greenville, South Carolina. So there is much to talk about. So, uh, so let's get right in. What I keep hearing over and over again, people are scared of a recession. And, and understandably, I mean, listen, we are, we're probably already in a recession, right? I mean, the economy is, the global economy is basically going to shut down. It's it, Much of it is already shutting down. We're getting, um, here in Greenville, we're having um, major local restaurants that are um, sending people requests to buy gift cards just so that they can pay their employees so they don't have to, to have mass employee layoffs. Sadly, uh, there's just only so much that can be done. And um, and and we're definitely going into some kind of a recession. And whenever there is some type of a recession, there are fear responses. People respond and react out of fear. There will be people that will um, stop buying or maybe decide that they don't want to sell. We, we talked about this a little bit in, in our last episode, so I'm not going to get into tons of that. But I'm really starting to hear more and more people um, are, are really starting to, what used to just be a whisper, now they're starting to verbalize, okay, I'm really concerned and I may change the way I approach uh, buying and selling real estate because I'm uncertain about what's going to happen in the market. And uh, honestly, we're trying to figure out what is going to happen in the real estate world. I mean, me as a realtor, um, and and when you look at uh, the statistics, well, uh, just in our area here, it hasn't changed that dramatically yet. We haven't seen... Uh, people that are just completely scared to go out and look at houses. Now, I, I did have a contractor that I talked to today, a contractor that I that I frequently use for homes that just need, you know, small repairs here and there, and he has self-quarantined himself because one of his subs uh, tested positive for the virus. And so this contractor now has put himself in a, in a self quarantine. He's on day eight. And, uh, and so he's gone into, into next week. Hopefully he said he feels fine right now. So hopefully, you know, by the time he's at day 14 from having been exposed to this subcontractor, he will be fine. But, um, that's the closest thing that I have seen to this directly impacting my business, Except in one way, and and when I recorded the last episode about the coronavirus, I did not see this happening, okay? Mortgage rates, when I recorded the last episode, were at historic lows, and overnight, they jumped almost an entire point. In fact, um, there were like moments where lenders couldn't even provide estimates. They had to wait because when uh, when banks start shifting uh, what their rates are going to be, which usually doesn't happen, you know, multiple times per day. Uh, but when they do that, it kind of freezes things for, you know, like an hour or so. Well, we were having rates changing three or four times a day for like multiple days. Um, and so it's kind of like the, the stock market where we're seeing uh, periods of people buying and selling because nobody's really sure if this is the time to buy or sell. We're seeing that in the mortgage markets. What What happened was when the rates dropped to historic lows, everyone rushed to refinance. So what happens when you have more demand than there is supply. And in this case, what I mean is that we had um, more people trying to refinance than we had banks and bankers capable of handling that load. The banks decided, you know what, we have to increase our rates. Even though they could have, based on their normal profit margins, had much lower rates, they ended up uh, increasing uh, their rates just in order to be able to um, handle the amount of volume that they were getting in hopes that the people that, you know, maybe the people that were sitting at like a, a, a 4.25 rate or like a, you know, a, a four point, maybe even a four and a half percent rate that those people who were like, oh, I can get down to a, a four point, or sorry, a 3.185 or, or a 3.25. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, that once they saw the the markets and uh, the mortgage rates adjusted up to 4%, that those people just backed down and decided not to do refinance. That's the whole idea. And so, uh, but since then, rates, uh, I'm starting to see some rates, you know, down in the mid threes again. So it seems like the the mortgage market's is we're gonna see some volatility, uh, more volatility than we're used to seeing, and it's it's really unusual because the Fed is dropping their rates. So the, what the Fed does doesn't necessarily directly translate to the mortgage market, but oftentimes there's a close correlation to what the Fed does to what the mortgage markets do. In this case, um, that's not necessarily a hundred percent the case because of of basic economics like I said where we're seeing uh, incredible demand for people suddenly wanting to refinance and all of that with not as uh, the with, with not the ability to supply that demand with all the banks now what happens if all of a sudden the for you know maybe a temporary period of time the bottom kind of falls out of the market with real estate so that you know buyers aren't looking at houses and new contracts just disappear overnight. I could see rates going really really low um and in, in just a few weeks. Now now I don't want to promise that because I thought that that was going to already happen and that we were going to be seeing low, you know, those historically low rates. I thought that those were going to be here for several weeks and it turned out that just overnight the rates hop back up. But don't be surprised if we run into a situation where basically uh, buyers disappear off the market for a few weeks because nobody is willing to leave their house to look at homes. That will then flip the script so that the demand, the, there will still be the demand for refinances But if all of the demand for new home purchases disappears from the mortgage market, we could all of a sudden see rates go back down to the historic lows that they were at. So um, it's gonna be very interesting. We really are in uncharted waters here. Um, We really don't know exactly what is going to happen. Um, I I think right now the, the people in the real estate world particularly here in our area, that are the most susceptible to being damaged by what's happening right now, are the people that had their homes on the market for a little while leading up to this crisis. So the people that weren't, for some reason weren't able to sell their home, well, we know why they weren't able to sell their home. If, if up to this point, up to before the, the coronavirus hit our market, you weren't selling your home, there's one of two reasons why. Either A, you overpriced it, or B, uh, the home was was just not in good condition. And, and really, that still goes back to A, right? Because there, there's a price at which even a home that's not in good condition will sell. Um, so those people that had their homes on the market that weren't selling because they were overpriced for some reason, those people now find themselves in a really, really bad spot. Because now um, there's a possibility that the market might slow down dramatically. And so those people might become more desperate to accept an offer that's lower than what they would have considered than the way they felt a few weeks ago. Because now there's all of this uncertainty now that's being injected into people's minds because it's like well, if I couldn't sell my house for two hundred fifty dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month ago, what am I going to be able to sell it for in two weeks from now like if if it's just been languishing on the market at this price, I mean what happens if the bottom completely falls out of the market. Am I even going to be able to sell for two thirty or two twenty? And so, um, so those sellers really find themselves in a precarious place, and um, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I have had multiple buyer clients get under contract recently for uh, ten or more or greater than ten percent less than than the list price of a house. And I think that that has uh, to do a lot with just the uncertainty that's in the markets right now. Um, on average here in Greenville, you typically find that homes sell for about 2 to 3% below what they're listed for. So to go 10 or more percent it is very unusual. Now, my clients on average... Um, get several points below, usually around four to five percent off uh, off the list price when they're buying through me, versus the average, which is two to three percent. Um, at least that's based on the statistics that the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors released for 2019, compared to uh, to my own personal statistics. Um, obviously, I can't promise that on 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 any scalable level, but but just looking at the numbers from a meta standpoint, that is the case. Um, but now, will we see a stretch here where that two to three percent stretches out to um, a much higher number for those people that have had their homes on the market for, uh, for a month or two or three? I, I think that that's a very real possibility. Um, here's the other thing that I have become kind of more aware of in, uh, you know, the past few days since I recorded the last uh, COVID-19 podcast that i recorded as it relates to real estate. I now understand, so when I recorded it back then, I was kind of looking at at what happened in China and, and looking at what was happening in South Korea and some of these other countries and it's like okay this virus has a lifespan it seems like it's about two months after about two months our economy should recover all should be right in the world we'll be we'll be good to go um I, I think that the, that that is still a possible outcome but I also think I'm, I'm starting to become more and more convinced that there's a possibility that we're gonna go through all of this again in a few months, that this virus will cycle back through and, and maybe it will cycle back through like as soon as the fall. Like We don't know, there, there, there's again, a lot of uncertainty with what's going to happen, but we know this, that um, it's not likely that we're gonna get a vaccine for at least another year and maybe a year and a half, unless there um, the restrictions that are placed on pharmaceutical companies in terms of um, how long they have to test their vaccines and all of that, unless those restrictions are are lifted in some way to account for the virus, which is possible. That's possible that that the restrictions are lifted. Um, and, and, and that they make it to where, okay, you know, maybe we only need to clinically test these vaccinations for six months, for, for instance. Um, uh, again, there's a big risk associated with doing that, but, but, but maybe that's what they do, right? Um, unless they do that, we might be looking at, we're not going to have a vaccine coming out next month. You know, we, we've got presidential candidates right now saying, we need a vaccine that's going to be free for everyone. Well, yeah, that's great. Are you going to go out and make that vaccine? Like, do you just dig in your backyard and find the vaccine? Like, there's a process that this takes. You've got to isolate the, the strain of the virus, which apparently the Canadians did. Like, <laughs> just a few days after the NHL season suspended, by the way, the Canadians figured out a way to isolate... Uh, the strain for the virus. So it, so it turns out that there is a apparently a direct correlation between um, uh, productivity in Canada and the end of the NHL season. So I was very impressed by that. Uh, but you've got to like isolate the strain. You've got to do all the stuff, figure out what kills the virus. Then normally you do animal testing. I understand that they have skipped the animal testing and have gone straight to human uh, testing, which is in and of itself kind of an extreme step. But then there's, you know, several months, um, usually several years that you have to do that. So, I mean, what if this virus comes back around again? What if we have to go through all of this again in the fall? Um, I, I think that that could happen. And, you know, that could be a, a really bad scenario. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the likelihoods are at this point. but um, But regardless... I think that we have to approach things level-headedly. If you need to buy or sell at home, you can't try to time the market. We don't yet know what the market is going to do. And so, like I said on the last episode, I still feel the same way. It doesn't make sense to delay something that you already know that you need to do because you're uncertain about the market. You you can't time the market. Um, you I mean you can maybe get lucky and just happen to buy low and just happen to sell high, um, but no none of us knows what exactly is going to happen, and how long uh, things are going to be bad for. And so, really, I think the most reasonable thing to do is just to live your life. As normally as possible obviously practice the social distancing and wash your hands and do all that fun stuff if you're sick you know you think you might have it quarantine yourself get tested wear a mask Um, but in terms of real estate like you can't factor for something that you don't know how it's going to turn out and I've heard people say for multiple years now we're in a housing bubble and the bubble is going to crash and the economy is going to crash for years. For year, for like 3 years now I've heard people saying this. And it hasn't happened. And so what if you keep responding to the assumption and keep acting under the assumption that there's going to be a recession, that recession doesn't happen, what then? You know, it it that's that's not a that's not the right way to live. You can only live with The information that you have with the information that you know and so right now all that we know is that there is uncertainty and that there is the possibility that that this could get worse there's also the possibility that this might um, after a couple of months that we might just completely rebound from this and everything will kind of go back to normal Um, right now we just don't know for sure and so um, my recommendation to people is operate under the assumption that, that things are going to be okay unless there is one exception to that rule. And again, my apologies, I think we discussed this a little bit in the last episode, but if, if you're looking to buy and sell, like you want to buy a property and, and have the flexibility to sell it within a year, I wouldn't do that. I would very much be cautious if, if you're in a situation where you might not be living long, where you might not be keeping a property long term, where there's a possibility that you might want to sell um, in, you know, a year or less, um, whether that's because you're flipping the house or, or whether that's because um, you think that you might just want to buy and then live in it and then move right away. Um, that that's a bit of a risky strategy right now. Flipping houses right now, um, you're, you're taking a gamble. And I would make sure that you have multiple, um, what I would call multiple exit strategies, multiple options at your disposal. Like maybe, do you have the ability to hold on to that house without it causing you a major financial strain and maybe renting it out or, or doing something to that effect? Um, but if, it, don't put yourself in a position where a year from now you have to make a sale when we don't know what is going to be happening in the next few months and in the next year. That's the thing that I am most concerned about and, and that I'm advising my clients on. I had someone ask me recently uh, about the housing bubble thing, like, you know, I, uh, aren't we experiencing a, a big housing bubble that's going to burst in our area and and i i don't think that that we're experiencing that for the most part and here's why for the most part we are having more people moving into greenville than we have homes that are being sold in in greenville and in the upstate and this is reflected in uh, what we've talked about before in the inventory levels—that we've been hovering around three, three and a half months of inventory for a long time now in uh, in Greenville County—and so no, there is no housing bubble. Now, you know, I can't speak too nationally. Nationally, there could be, but I'm I'm not concerned nationally. I'm concerned about what's happening here locally, because if real estate might crash in some other areas, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to crash here. Um, when the when the economy did what it did in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, um, even into two thousand eleven, um, the real estate industry here in Greenville was not as affected as it was in some other areas. We still saw, in fact, I my wife and I we were looking at houses back then, we were trying to take advantage of the Obama tax credit, right? I think he offered like $7,500. They were just trying to get people to buy anything and everything. And we were trying to take advantage of that. At the end of the day, uh, we were very poor at that time and our financing fell through. Um, And so we weren't able to buy a house, but we looked at a ton of houses and we put offers on multiple houses that we got outbid on, outbid on during the recession. During the recession, that was literally a housing market crisis. That was a recession that was caused by, by the housing market directly, not by a virus or whatever. So um, that was not happening in other parts of the U.S. That was a, a pretty unique phenomenon here in the Greenville area. And I think that we're still in a similar boat. Now there might still be a bubble in certain sub-markets. Okay, for instance, I could see there being a bit of a housing bubble that that could burst with a recession in the high-end downtown Greenville condos. You know these eight hundred thousand dollar two-bedroom, you know nine hundred square feet. Um, condos that are that are real trendy, real urban. Um, We've had a lot of those built in the past few years. And, you know, developers are are building more and more of those. I could totally see that market there being a bubble that's going to burst in that market. Will that affect the people that live in two, three, $400,000 homes. Um, my opinion, and this is, this is just my opinion. I, I don't think so. I don't think that, I think that the bubble that could burst on homes in that eight hundred, nine dollars $900,000 range, if there is a bubble in that sub market, I don't see that, um, impacting broadly the real estate market, uh, In our area with people that have properties that really are not comparable that they're that they're trying to sell Um, but that is my general opinion I I feel like our economy here because we have so many people moving to Greenville Spartanburg I believe uh, I saw recently that Uh, that this area is one of the, you know, one of the fastest growing in terms of population, one of the fastest growing areas in the U.S. Um, That means that we need houses to go on the market. That means that it's more than likely going to stay a seller's market. More than likely. Now, we might see it shift a little bit more in the buyer's direction. That's, that's a good thing. That, that's not a bad thing. It's, it's been frustrating for, for buyers for a long time now. We see you know, multiple offer situations happen all the time and it gets old for a lot of people. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that a slight correction on that would be the worst thing in the world. But I do think that, obviously, we, we want the economy to be good. We want people to keep their jobs. And hopefully, what, what we hope doesn't happen is that there is a cascading effect from this virus. Now, probably the best case scenario is that this virus runs its course. Everything is kind of over and done with in you know a couple of months. And we're able to get a vaccine uh, shortly thereafter, and we we kind of don't see this impact us, you know, much into the summer. We discussed that in the last episode quite a bit. What about the worst case scenario? Um, I don't want to be a doomsday kind of guy, and I don't want to freak people out. But I do want to show the other side of the coin. What would that doomsday, worst-case scenario look like? And here's, here's the way I picture it. I mean, obviously, you can, you can get really doomsday if you want to, but I mean, with, with it still being realistic, I could see the coronavirus having a cascade effect on our economy, that we have several weeks of just the economy shutting down. It just completely shuts down. People aren't leaving their houses. They're not buying anything. They're not doing anything. Everything completely shuts down. And so what do businesses do? They, they have basically a f- few choices. One is mass pay cuts and mass layoffs. And so, you know, they have to find a way to cut costs. And so that's one option. We're already seeing that. Um, I saw today... This is, uh, what day is today? Today's the 18th. We're recording this. I saw that 18% of the workforce has already either been laid off or had some type of, um, hour decrease or pay cut. 18% of the workforce has been impacted by this virus already. So that's one thing that, that happens. That's, that's one option. um another option is that and, and this is really sad and this is gonna happen is that businesses just close they there they don't see a way that they can survive a few months of, of just literally no revenue while at the same time they still have expenses I mean you still have to pay your lease if you're if you're if you have a storefront Um you still have insurance that you have to pay. I mean, there's all kinds of expenses that don't go away, with with businesses, um, even if they're not able to be open, and um, and people forget that. So businesses are going to have to close. There there, there are there is going to be some collateral damage in that way. And the other thing that I'm that I see happening that I'm really concerned about is a lot of small businesses taking out loans in order to survive what's going to happen here the next few weeks, and then them never being able to pay those loans off. A lot of people don't realize how many businesses barely make a profit. Like, there's a A lot of people don't realize what Black Friday is. Black Friday has traditionally, the way I understand it, been the day that retail stores for the first time in the year turn a profit. Um, And so, like they have to go the entire, almost the entire year before they finally, the books finally flip over that they're starting to make a profit. And uh, and a lot of small businesses are, you know, just barely, barely making that profit, barely getting by. And you talk about two months of just shutting down. The only way that they'll be able to survive that is that they start taking out loans well, well, then how are they going to pay those loans back if they're already barely making a profit during the best times? And so, um, so I'm concerned about that happening. Um, and if that happens, then then a lot of people are going to lose their businesses, lose their jobs. Companies, no doubt, are not going to make their quarterly goals for this quarter, and for next quarter which will then result in further panic and here we're we're teasing out the worst-case scenario that then there's a possibility that could result in in deeper panic and a deeper recession people selling off their their shares Uh, companies doing further layoffs in order to you know cut expenses in order to make their shareholders happy and and As all of this, all of these things start piling up, the economy, the global economy is literally losing trillions of dollars, literally money that was there, that's gone just because a virus forced people to stay at their homes. And no doubt if that happens, there will be less money for real estate. There will be less money out there for people to buy houses, to buy property, to buy land, to buy real estate. And when, if that happens, then the market absolutely will shift. If if all of these cascading things happen and this goes on for a sustained period of time in, in the worst-case scenario and, and the virus comes back later, I, we're talking about... Um, Something that that could potentially be very, uh, very damaging, and and the market would for sure change. That people would uh, that were thinking about selling would decide not to. People that are thinking about buying, um, you know, might be in a situation where they're not able to get financing. They just lost jobs, or they just lost income. Um, there are so many different negative ways that this could could go. But I'm just hoping that after a couple of months that the virus goes away, that our economy recovers, that we figure this out. The, the nice thing is that this is a, a global, well, I sh- shouldn't say the nice thing about it, but um, one of the positive aspects of it being a global problem is that we have the smartest minds in the world working on it. And so we have a lot of people trying to figure this out, and and hopefully they will, and hopefully we'll be able to, um, as humans, as humanity, um, mankind, whatever broad word you want to use, um, that we can can pull our resources, figure out what to do, figure out how to get out of it. The government can can do what needs to be done. You know, Obama did that seventy five hundred hour. Um, House credit. Now they're talking about possibly paying every American like a thousand dollars a month for the next couple of months. I could see that even going on longer than that. Um, it's an election year. Our president is going to do whatever is necessary to get his approval rating up as high as it'll go, and as will everyone else that's running uh, in elections. There's a lot of elections this year. And there is not going to be any concern for our deficit. They are going to spend, spend, spend. The government is going to take charge of as many things as possible. In Spain this week, the Spanish I, I read that the Spanish government took over private hospitals. I mean, we're seeing things that we never even thought, uh, that never even was on our radar is happening right now. Um it, it's, it's a very strange time, but I think we need to, um, like I said before, if your plans are potentially volatile, there's a the possibility that you're not sure if you're going to want to, if you buy now, then if you're going to want to have to move again later, or if you're thinking about flipping a house, don't do anything that's volatile. Plan on any uh, particularly purchases that you're doing in real estate. Plan on on needing to hold on to those for uh, a few years, and and if you don't need to, great. But but just assume that you will. If you're uh, if you're selling, I think you need to try to sell sooner than later. Like we don't know if. Uh, if things are going to get better don't try to time the market that's risky um, you have uh, a window here wh- where we are still seeing we're still I'm still getting requests from people wanting to see houses it's still there's still a decent bit of activities showings are still pretty comparable to what they were before the coronavirus came out um, don't risk it don't take the risk that We go into a really deep recession, and that people aren't are told to stay completely in their houses and to and to not leave their houses at all um, due to the the risk of of spreading this virus. Don't take that risk. That is still my opinion. It hasn't changed a whole lot since the last that we recorded, but. What has changed since then is um, is I do think that there is a stronger likelihood that that we're in this for the long run than I originally thought, and that might have a ripple effect. But the the government is working to try to solve things. Hopefully, things uh, won't continue to worsen. Hopefully, we'll turn the corner. And uh, and I feel. I still have optimism that our market will rebound, that we will see uh, that that, that worst-case scenario, maybe not the best-case scenario will happen, but also that the worst-case scenario won't happen, that we'll see something in between, some type of, of middle-ground scenario where, yeah, a lot of businesses had to close, people had to take out loans, but the, the government was able to do th- some things to help to stimulate the economy. We were able to figure out a way to to limit the spread of this virus. We were able to figure out a, a vaccine solution, and between all of these things, um, that the disruption was just for a few months, and that we didn't have, uh, you know, this global recession for for multiple years like we had in two thousand eight. I still don't think. That we have anything close to what we experienced back then, but it we might see some quarters, some quarterly numbers that are worse than two thousand eight, two thousand nine, simply because we're going to essentially cease economic activity. We might essentially cease economic activity for uh, a, a few months here, but I'm hoping. And, and what I think is going to happen is that the rebound is going to happen much, much quicker than, um, than what happened during the Obama presidency, where it just took a really long time to, to rebound. It was kind of a gradual build uh, back up to what it used to be. Now, I've had some a few people ask me what they think uh, or what I think that they should do in terms of their other investments. Don't ask me that. Not a not I'm not uh, an expert on stocks and and uh, mutual funds and IRAs. Listen, ask me about real estate. and if you um, if you want uh, to reach me to buy or sell a home, my contact information is in the show notes. Um, please help this podcast by subscribing, by downloading, by giving us a review. We'd love to to grow this out as much as possible to get more and more people on this, to be able to do this as often as possible. Um, But we need your support to do that. Rate us, review us, download us, subscribe, share, do all of that stuff. Um, Let's make this a podcast that people that are, are interested in Greenville, people that are buying and selling Greenville, that is one of the first things that comes to mind when they think about real estate in this area and want to buy in this area. That's my goal. That's what I want. I hope it's helpful. Let me know your thoughts and I hope to hear from you guys soon.